It is Monday, January 24th, in case you forgot what day it is. Don't have time for a long podcast today. I'm kind of working against the clock here. I've got a, an appointment coming up with the dog trainer. Try to gain a little control over my occasionally out-of-control dog. I did want to tell you about a couple of things. A couple of records, actually. Well, first of all, I finally got around to listening to the KK's Priest record, Sermons of the Sinner. I want to say it's called, or Sermon of the Sinners. I don't know. What the hell is it called? Sermons of the Sinner. Sinner gives sermons. Um, K.K. Downing was the guitarist in Judas Priest, one of the guitarists, and he quit. And the way he tells it, if you go read his uh, memoir, is that he quit and then he changed his mind, but they wouldn't let him back. And I, I don't know, the whole thing, that memoir is one of the more depressing things I've ever read. Um, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot there going on, uh, intellectually. And, uh, there's an awful lot of complaining and whining and passive aggression. And, uh, maybe it just hit a little too close to home for me, uh, having dealt with people like that in my band who, um, expect you to read their minds and when you don't, they get very angry with you. But anyway, can't deny the man's been part of some great music, so of course I wanted to give KK's Priest a chance, and he uh, hired the singer Ripper Owens. Ripper. wonder if he came up with that nickname or if somebody gave it to him. Anyway, uh, he was the guy who replaced Halford when Halford left, and then, of course, he lost the job when Halford came back. So, the I mean, the record starts off great. The first few songs are awesome. And uh, just in some great lyrics, I think uh, I have a recollection of a lyric that just had me doubled over in laughter. It was something along the lines of, the devil does what he must. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Uh, but really great songs, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff. The, the, they didn't have enough good songs for a record, so they should have gone back to the drawing board and, and worked a little harder before releasing that. But good effort, I guess. I mean, I think part of the problem of it, too, is even the songs that are good are in that vein. You know, sometime, maybe the late 80s, I had really not been paying attention to Judas Priest for a while and hadn't paid attention at that point, but they kind of had a little comeback with an album called Painkiller, which was more like, I don't know what you would call it, speed metal or something, a lot of double bass. And they really, you know, I guess people really liked it. I don't think that record is good. I don't think it's good for what it is. And it's certainly not good for Judas Priest, but that was, I guess, the new direction they decided to go in. And so, uh, the KK's Priest stuff is kind of doubling down on that. And I just, I, I prefer the, the really melodic stuff. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's certainly worth listening to the first uh, few songs. I've been diving into 
the music of Rory Gallagher as well. I hadn't planned on talking about this, but I'm kind of going back now and going through chronologically, starting with his, his first band, Taste, who put out two records. I think they put out some live records as well. Um, but, you know, I've long been of the opinion that he's one of the really underrated uh, lead guitarists of the of the 70s. And, of course, he, you know, worked after the 70s, worked up until his death in, I think, the mid-90s. Um, but really hadn't paid that much attention to anything but the the kind of better known songs of his so I'm diving into this stuff and and um I, it would be very hard to rank you know one two and three to rank like Rory Gallagher Richie Blackmore and then like take your pick of I don't know half a dozen guys like Frank Marino or Trower I guess um Uli Roth from the 70s Scorpions. But uh, just fantastic, incredible uh, guitar playing. So I'm kind of making my way through that. I don't know, maybe I'll have some more to say about that down the road. But I talked a couple times now about Bach's Well-Tempered Clavier, book one and book two, the series of preludes and fugues. And then we talked about how Chopin had did something similar, but I had misspoken Chopin only did the preludes and rather than doing them in order step by step of the keys he he did them according to the circle of fifths but Shostakovich had uh, done his own preludes and fugues and uh, there are uh, at least a couple other pretty famous composers who have done those I think but I haven't delved that much into it I was uh, on Apple Music and decided to look at the classical section and they had kind of like best of best of last year. And, you know, of course I dive into that and I'm just, I'm saving everything. Uh, cause I have the Apple music account. It's all, it's all free. You know, you pay with tax like 10 and a half bucks a month. And w- the first thing that kind of surprised me was, um, the sheer volume of Bach. Apparently Bach is is very popular right now. So a lot of people are doing Bach, and a lot of people are not only doing Bach, but they're doing it in a way uh, where they try to create recordings that either resequence things or are juxtaposed with other pieces by other composers or whatever to create kind of a, a record that it's almost like resequencing a record. Like if you get a record you like and you made a playlist and wanted to resequence it, it's that kind of thing. Or if you wanted to make a mixtape and um, and have you know more than one artist on there, but maybe you've got like you know three or four songs per artist, something like that. Now I have you know, heard these kind of records before on the ECM label, which is primarily a jazz label and a fantastic label. ECM is, they put out so much stuff, it's impossible to keep up with it all, but they are probably the only record label in the world 
that I will give anything they release a chance. Um, and they're particularly good with uh, more modern jazz that that um, kind of has a lot of rock or indie rock or pop type influences um, and is just a little more oddball than a lot of uh, sort of normal or traditional jazz. Um, so they've released so many great records and, um, but they also do some, some classical stuff sometimes. So they did, um, they did three records with, I'm looking up the name now, I believe it's the Danish string quartet, um, Prism One, Prism Two, and Prism Three. And this is where they'll take, um, they will take like in Prism One, they take pieces by Beethoven, Shostakovich, and Bach, and they have decided there's some kind of connection there, that there's, you know, tonally or thematically or whatever. So they put them on one record. And of course, you can just listen to them individually. If you have a collection of Beethoven string quartets or several, as I do, you can just kind of put it put it on its own playlist and listen to it that way. But they're trying to create records that have a kind of flow to it. So these two new records that I heard, it occurred to me that if anybody listening to the podcast was at all interested in these, um, in these preludes and fugues that I've been discussing of Bach's, it's kind of tough to get into them because book one and book two combined are just hours long. And even if you just listen to one of them, book two is just, you know, book one, he did it. He did the preludes and fugues in every key. And then 20 years later, he decided to do it again. So that's what book two is. He wrote all new ones. So there's a couple of recordings. And one of them is by a pianist by the name of Piotr... Uh, I lost it now because I was looking for that other thing. Just uh, bear with me. Piotr Andrzejewski. It's the Well-Tempered Clavier Book 2, but there's a couple things about this that are different. It's not complete, so it doesn't contain every prelude and fugue in every key, and he resequenced it. He put it in a sequence that he thinks works better. And he, uh, there are some notes where he described, or he explained rather, that he is pretty conservative and traditional when it comes to these kind of things. But he really felt that um, that it worked better uh, sequenced the way he did it. And I think he makes a good case for it. He starts with number one. And he ends with number 24, but in between, he kind of mixes them up. And like I said, he doesn't do all of them. So that would be a good uh, place to start if you just wanted to hear those preludes and fugues, but maybe in a way that um, a way that isn't sequenced for instructional purposes, but that is sequenced for your lis listening pleasure. So that is Well-Tempered Clavier Book 2, Piotr Andrzejewski, it's, according to my playlist, an hour 18 minutes long. So it's 
it's easy enough to get through. And then the other one I ran across, which I really enjoyed, I was listening to this in the car the other day, and uh, this is about an hour and a half long. This is a record by Julian Lieber, Bach and Beyond, J.S. Bach and Beyond, A Well-Tempered Conversation. So he uses these pieces from the well-tempered clavier to frame, again, a, you know, almost a concept record where he is interspersing other pieces by other composers, including um, one, of the, uh, one of the preludes or fugues, I can't tell which, by Shostakovich. So he has, you know, this Bach, which he always returns to, but in between, maybe there's something by Beethoven and Chopin and Mozart and, and uh, Brahms and other, uh, you know, Schoenberg, other composers. So I thought that was, and it's very well played. So I thought that was also a, an option if you are curious about this kind of thing, Bach and Beyond, A Well-Tempered Conversation, Julian Lieber, it's on the Harmonia Mundi label. And that's really all I have to say today. I have actually lots of things to say. I'm a bit of a chatterbox at times, if you haven't noticed, but I simply don't have the time to address any other subjects today. So I hope this interested you, and if it didn't, guess what? you'll have another shot at it in a week. So until then, have a wonderful week. And please remember, I love you all very much. So long.